You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Well, I could I could be better, Eric. Um, you know, we had a, 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 from a Bucks perspective, we had a pretty uh, pretty damn fun Friday night with the Bucks overcoming uh, basically the biggest uh, turnaround by, I guess you could say, if you categorize in some ways uh, in NBA history uh, against the Miami heat, Giannis dominating that game. Um, this Sunday game, uh, Giannis scoring career high 52 and just generally looking totally unstoppable, but they lose that game. And, and more importantly, we got the news on Saturday that they had a much bigger loss about playing a game uh, with Malcolm Brogdon being diagnosed with a tear in his uh, plantar fascia is that is that is that how how, how you would yes. describe it I guess um, so obviously that's probably the biggest macro story of the weekend Brogdon being out for officially six to eight weeks we've heard the Bucks believe it'll be closer to six we've heard you know this injury another guy's has been anywhere from four weeks to eight weeks so very real possibility. After the game, Giannis said he'd be back for the second round, so that would be about five weeks if I'm yeah. doing my math right. Yeah, depending on how long the, the first round goes, obviously. Yeah, so um, so yeah, it was a, a very up and down weekend <laughs> with uh, a lot of highs and lows when you factor in some of the performances as well. But um, obviously, the I don't know if you want to start with the Brogdon news because that's obviously kind of the you know. Bucks are going to win and lose games here and there <laughs> throughout these these last. I guess they have uh, twelve games. What twelve or thirteen games left now? Um, or twelve games left? Um, but obviously the Brogdon news is probably the biggest news. Yeah, we can. I, I think the Brogdon news would probably be the spot to start. And you know, I th- this is to me a, a really uh, it's a really interesting situation because there's so much. Uh, there's so much put into this team and how much they get out of all of the spots on their roster that, you know, losing a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, um, it isn't, uh, I mean, this isn't use, losing Giannis, like, uh, this isn't losing Chris or, or Bledsoe, but, uh, in that, the, the uh, kind of the idea that we talked about is, you know, for a fourth or fifth option, whatever you want to call Malcolm Brogdon, like, it's difficult to get much more out of it. Like for a guy to go 50, 40, 90, uh, you're talking about literally as efficient as possible. And he just is always there and he's dependable and he's steady. And then like, you know, you, you think through all the stuff that all the shots that he's hit, obviously he's a clutch performer. He hits big threes regularly. And, uh, you know, as you're watching that Sixers game today, uh, you know, maybe one of those threes that, got teed up in the fourth quarter is from Malcolm Brogdon and he hits one of them to, you know, make it a three point game or a four point game um, rather than that, the need for that really late comeback that, that just wasn't enough in the end. Like, you know, maybe they, they turn the tide a little bit earlier and um, you know, I, I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to watch because with Brogdon, uh, we do talk about his, his tunnel vision and, you know, we do talk about when he drives, like he, he just gets very focused on, on the rim and trying to finish, but also he drives, uh, I think I looked it up on IMA.com, uh, I think about 10 times a game and you, you know how they like quantify drives or whatever. But, you know, I, I think even without that number, like you just know that Brogdon is the guy that, uh, is that second side kind of attacker um, where 
Eric Bledsoe can, you know, initiate from the start. Uh, Giannis can do the same thing. Obviously, Chris can do some of that. But uh, as we all know, like Chris isn't a guy that goes to the rim a lot. That isn't what his game is. And, you know, I, I think some of those easy buckets that you have from Malcolm Brogdon, uh, you know, aren't going to get replaced by the people filling in for him because they're not going to play in the same way. Like uh, George Hill, who, you know, has been a, an incredibly useful player and very good for this Bucks team. Like he's not going to play like Malcolm Brogdon and Brogdon's abilities do kind of, uh, I mean, I mean, I think in some ways it's part of the Bucks' identity, like to have those second side drives from Brogdon where he just gets to the basket and lays one up and in. You're not really 100% sure how he does it, but it is very consistent. He does that every night and that's going to be difficult to replace. So, um, you know, I think there's there's a lot just on the court and how things will work out. Um, obviously, he's a guy that, carries bench units. And again, uh, I think a lot of plenty of people would argue that, you know, maybe he hasn't done that effectively this year, or maybe those bench units weren't good with him. And, you know, like all those arguments can be made, but he still has been, you know, to end first quarters and third quarters. That's the guy that they have kind of stemmed that time uh, with the bench, with bench heavy units. And the Bucks will have to figure that out. Like Giannis was playing some of those minutes that, uh, uh, tonight and I, I don't know so just on the floor there's a lot and I haven't mentioned contract and all of that stuff but for now just on the floor I, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be really big for this team yeah I mean I I, I tweeted up before the game I mean I think where they're going to really miss him is is that driving and attacking kind of side to, to his game and especially on nights where um, you know they they struggle from three which I mean they end up tonight 16 out of 50 so it wasn't like you know the worst uh, the worst shooting night in the history, but felt like, you know, I think they were what at 1.12 out of 43. So they, they, you know, hit some four out of their last seven to kind of um, bandage it up a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the games where the Bucks shoot really poorly, I mean, they've shown a remarkable ability to through obviously Giannis's rim attacking Bledsoe, but then also Brogdon is, is probably, I mean, arguably Brogdon comes in right after Giannis just in terms of, um, you know, just being able to, um, off a catch or, you know, off a one-on-one, just being able to, to get to the rim and finish. And, um, you know, again, he's not doing it by dunking on guys, uh, or doing it in very flashy ways, but, um, but he's really good at that. And, you know, for as much as we make up kind of the 50, 40, 90, um, numbers and, you know, he'll finish the season as the, I believe the eighth player in, in history to do that. Um, you know, the number that, that is probably the most important is, is what he's able to do attacking the rim. I mean, you know, his shooting, like, I mean, I think you can replace his shooting. Um, it's interesting. He's been great as a spot-up guy, which is obviously very useful. Um, he's 47% as a spot-up guy, catch and shoot this year. That's the best on the team. But he obviously has a lot of limitations, sort of as an off-the-dribble guy. He's only 27% on pull-up threes, which isn't surprising, you know, given um, kind of that funky release and the fact that he doesn't stretch out nearly as far as, you know, guys like Lopez and, and Miritich, obviously. Um so it's interesting what you lose with him. And again, I think you can replace his three-point shooting to some extent because he also doesn't, I mean, you think he's um, only Giannis and Hill shoot fewer threes per minute than than Brogdon. You know, again, like he he needs time. You know, he can't just pop threes in guys' faces or from 30 feet out. Um, so I don't know if you lose that so much, um, but I, I definitely agree. I think where, you know, especially like the non-starting units where you really need, you know, that, that, that creator um, lead ball handler. That's that's where I think you're really going to miss him. And um, even defensively, I don't I don't know. I mean, again, we've talked about Brogdon and you know his size. He it can be definitely useful if he's having to defend like a bigger guy because he's really strong. Um, but when he's having to far, guard like ones and twos and go over screens, obviously he has limitations just physio- <laughs> physiologically just because of his size. Um, so I don't know if you you know again he's he's a good. I mean, not to say he doesn't like give effort and things like that, but. You know, I don't think I think you can replace his um, his defense. I think you can replace his three point shooting to to a fair extent. I mean, if, you know, just sliding Miritich into the starting five um, did not work at all today. Miritich had a really bad game, one out of seven, zero for six from three. But Miritich is definitely a more threatening, you know, has better a better floor spacing impact than even Brogdon as a shooter, just because again he has such a quick trigger. So um, so we'll see how much of an impact that is. I think. Um, you know, we see a lot that Brogdon, as you were mentioning, he'll end like the first or third quarter and you'll see, you know, in the past we've seen Giannis, um, play a lot of minutes then with him as well. Um, 
you know, I imagine, you know, especially with Hill being limited and I mean, George, it's kind of amazing. George Hill, like was a 20 point per game score a couple of years ago in Utah. Cause like, I don't see any like interest in creating shots from him. I mean, he really is just a, yeah. um, a spot up three point shooter who uh, he can occasionally, you know, he'll occasionally drive to the rim or randomly show up in that dunker spot, which always mystifies us. He uh, got a rebound today from when he was lurking there on the baseline and, and got a layup. That was his only basket. Obviously he's still coming back from injury. Um, so, so we'll see. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, like this absolutely hurts you. Um, I think to the extent that, you know, certainly like you look at the broader kind of public opinion of the Bucks, people kind of begrudgingly looking at the Bucks as, as Eastern favorites, just by virtue of, not going away and continuing to be so good. Um, this obviously I think gives um, a lot of people a, a reason to have pause over, um, over the Bucks' chances of, of actually winning the East coming out of the East. Um, obviously you hope that Brogdon is back for the second round. So you can sort of talk yourself into like, well, yeah, I mean, they shouldn't need Brogdon to win the first round series. And then if he's back for the second round, you know, fingers crossed then, okay, then it's go time. But as we saw last year, he had the quad injury, um, came back last week of the regular season, was was bad in the first round against the playoffs. And it's hard um, to come back from yeah. an injury, especially a, a, you know, a foot injury where you're going to be limited in how much you can do physically. Um, and and you know, you're not going to be in ideal game shape coming back from that. So even if he is back for the second round, um, I think absolutely like it, it certainly lowers the Bucks' margin of error. By, by you know naturally right um you know even if he is your your fifth best player um on any given night you know we've seen him be the buck's second best player on many nights and i think that's what has made given that given the buck such a, a huge boost is that you know on any given night um you know middleton or bledsoe can not have good nights and oh malcolm brogdon comes in and has you know 19 points on like 10 shots uh or brooke lopez you know has a big three-point shooting yeah. or whatever it might be and so you know the fact that like you've got that like you know the many-headed hydra of <laughs> of buck supporting cast you know you never know exactly where it's going to come from um malcolm was obviously huge um as part of that and and you know again like i don't think it means that the bucks are, are screwed but this was what we were afraid of, you know, the, the Bucks had had such good health and to now suffer an injury like this in the last, you know, going on the last month of the season and into the playoffs, um, you know, it's absolutely a big deal. It's not a death knell to the Bucks' hopes of contending for the East, um, but it definitely like makes you nervous because we're absolutely going to be, you know, web MDing planter fascia tears and, you know, return timetables, things like that. Um, there's, there is a fair bit of you know data on on this type of injury out there. I think um, you know people might have seen some of the tweeting on Saturday. Um, it does seem to be like the kind of thing that I think the the range of, of return dates that was in um, I think in Street Clothes is a website that tracks number of games missed for various types of injury. I think for uh, fascia tears, it's been, I think the range I saw was like fourteen to twenty six games in terms of players who've had injuries like that in the last decade or so. Um, Ironically, Pau Gasol has, has also, I think, suffered that injury, I believe, in 2013. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to watch. We'll see. And I don't know. I mean, like, when you think about your confidence in this Bucks team and how far they can go, I mean, how much does it matter to you, Eric? I mean, like, do you, I mean, how, how much does your confidence take a hit now that you're, you're not going to, possibly not going to have Brogdon for the first, maybe second round? And, and obviously, you never know what might happen with complications or, you know, obviously, if the Bucks don't have him in the second round, then it's not going to be easy to get to the third round. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do think it, it takes a, uh... I, I I always struggle trying to figure out significant or not significant, but you know it takes a pretty serious hit. Like this Bucks team, and again, I think there's probably an argument to be made that he's the least important starter on this Bucks team. But the way that they are built means everyone has to bring something. Everyone has to be able to go out there and make plays all of those spots because they don't have that huge, you know, number two uh, guy. Like you have to have everyone contributing and not having him will make it more difficult. Now, like you said, I don't think uh, I've been very dismissive of the Bucks' possibilities of losing in the first round. Uh, 
I remain dismissive of that, like that, that won't happen. Um, but yeah, once you get up against those teams, like every little bit really counts. And, you know, like I just even thinking of this Sixers game today, the, the bucks were in it, but you know, there was times where all of a sudden you're, you're sitting there watching and Pat Connaughton is on Jimmy Butler. Like, Pat Connaughton is, you know, a great player and, uh, you know, has helped out the team off the bench, but that's not ideal. And, you know, like you think about uh, the times where the Bucks got some open threes and, you know, you, you're you missing your best knockdown shooter. And obviously Nikola Mirotic is a great shooter, so I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But, you know, you can see all of those kind of little things and little ways in which you miss Malcolm Brogdon. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's just going to be, uh, to me, it, it does, ha- you do have to downgrade the Bucks possibilities, even if it's just slightly uh, of making a, a, fun, a run to the finals. And, you know, I think the, the thing that's going to be most interesting is, uh, you know, whether or not, you know, th- he comes back in the the start of the second round or in, in the middle of the second round or whatever it may be like no matter when he comes back like the shape he's going to be in uh, like that is going to be important because you are going to want to play him but you're also gonna you know have to be hopeful that he can play in some of the same ways that that he had earlier in the season so um yeah to me the, the Bucks title chances do take a hit with this injury. And again, you, you might be able to weather the storm and you might be able to get him uh, back in uh, being an impact player by the time you need him for, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. But as you said, like you got to get through the second round first and the Bucks are probably, you know, staring at a, at a pretty solid team in the second round when, when they get around to it. Yeah, I mean... Um interesting with Philly coming in. I mean, Philly has kind of edged ahead um, into the third spot. So um, most likely, at least as things stand now, you're looking at the Bucks likely having to face the winner of, of a four or five matchup that, you know, at this point, at least the, the odds would suggest more likely would be uh, Boston or, or Indiana. Um, and so you'd, you'd guess it would be Indiana or, or sorry, Boston rather than Indiana in that scenario. Um, and I mean, obviously notwithstanding the fact that the sex Sixers beat the Bucks today. Um, that's interesting. Cause I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the whole Bucks whole jumbo lineup um, and, and they've obviously had a bunch of different iterations of the way they've played. Um, you know, we've seen here today, especially with uh, Hill still kind of on kind of a very managed minute load um, with Dante DiVincenzo back out with that heel bursitis injury that had kept him out for whatever it was like a month or something earlier. Um, Sterling Brown still out. Um, not surprisingly, there was a bias uh, for the Bucks to basically eat up a lot of those minutes that uh, that Malcolm would have otherwise gotten with bigger players. And so, you know, the really the the if you were going to say there was a winner to um, to him being out, uh, at least on in game one of the post Brogdon uh, period, uh, it was DJ Wilson who played a bit on Friday as well in the second half. Um, and, you know, I'd say in both games gave you very typical kind of like DJ Wilson kind of energy minutes uh, on Sunday. He also knocked down three threes, which obviously was a nice boost. Um, you know, only 16 minutes. Um, Miritich starting, I think also had the nice effect of, I'd have to look, but at least lessening the extent of Ursan Miritich combined minutes, um, which again, I think, you know, mixing DJ with one of the, um, you know, less athletic uh, Eastern European white dudes who are good at shooting uh, is probably a a better thing than playing them together. Uh, But we'll see, right? I mean, even if you don't, you know, even if if you don't have those other guys available, um, you know, Tony Snell only played eight minutes, right? I think if this injury happened a few months ago, um, Tony Snell would have started. That would have been the the obvious answer, um, especially pre-Miritich trade. Uh, we saw Snell started the first three games that Malcolm missed. Those were, I believe, all pre, um, pre-Miritich trade. Um, but instead, tonight we see Tony Snell only play eight minutes. Connaughton, you mentioned, played 25. Um, so he was you know, another guy who obviously has been in the rotation anyway. But um, I, I think it'll be interesting to sort of see how this kind of pushes and pulls. I mean, we had talked about the Bucks getting healthy and, you know, what would that mean as far as does that mean – 
fewer jumbo lineups? Does that mean that, you know, the Bucks were going to return to playing more sort of traditional kind of lineup combinations, but now almost, um, you know, by default, I would assume that we're going to see a continuation of some of those kind of bigger lineups. And in particular, you know, I mean, DJ Wilson is likely going to have a chance to, to probably give minutes. And, um, you know, the fact that obviously he, he's the most athletic of obviously these kind of, you know, big guys who, who are playing with, with, or, or in, in lieu of Giannis. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that continues, but, um, you know, I'm sure, but will be very happy to get, you know, Hill off of minutes restriction. I'm sure he's going to be very happy when Dante and, and Brown are available as well, just to give him more options. But um, I don't know. Do you think, I mean, is your expectation that Miritich is just going to be the guy probably for the rest of the regular season? Or do you think, could you see them kind of trying some different things um, as they kind of get ready for the playoffs? Because obviously on the one hand, I say he's the most talented shooter and scorer and just general player that you've got left on the bench um, out, you know, with Brogdon out. So there's kind of the obvious, like, well, next man, bring your next best player up. Um, but then the flip side is obviously it creates some sort of weird lineup combinations, some weird defensive options that, that aren't necessarily particularly traditional um, and may, may not be ideal. Um, but obviously that's kind of what Bud has been doing of late when, when uh, guys have been missing, he's, pretty much always gone to Miritich uh, to kind of be the the guy who comes off the bench. Yeah, it was interesting before the game. Obviously, we we talked with Bud about the injury and kind of what they were planning on doing for tonight. And he had said that Miritich will start. And, you know, my follow-up question was, you know, like, do you foresee this being the way that you go the rest of the year? Is it, you know, like a mix and match type of thing? And... He said, I'm trying to remember exactly what he said, but he, he said something in effect of, he's like, well, you know, I'm kind of boring with stuff like this and, you know, tend to try to get into a groove and uh, go with that. But, you know, we'll see. So, you know, he kind of left it open. But to me, I do think a, a thing that we've seen from Bud is that, you know, he just kind of uh, in some ways believes in continuity in giving guys chances like it's not a not a night-to-night thing about who's in the rotation it tends to be like you know a couple weeks at a time right like if he's gonna go with someone new uh you know when he went with sterling brown it was you know a couple weeks and with pat content same thing so um I, i don't see him being um all that reactionary and you know, yanking guys around and starting them one night and not starting them another. I do think this will, the Bledsoe, Middleton, Miritich, Giannis, Lopez lineup, I think is probably going to be the one that he's going to run out there uh, for the rest of the regular season. But, you know, I've been wrong before, but uh, that just kind of feels like the way Bud would go about this because uh, I do think he, he believes there is some value in, in trying to work it that way. Um before we talk about these games, um, the one other thing I wanted to talk about with Malcolm Brogdon, and you know, I don't, I don't really know how to phrase this question, but um, how many millions of dollars do you think Malcolm Brogdon lost with this injury? Um, I mean, if he comes back in the playoffs and is a reasonable facsimile of his current self, I, I don't know. Does does, did he lose any in that scenario? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, it, w- is this the same foot that he had the break and the previous injuries to? That I, I offhand, I, I don't recall. I believe it is, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Um, I mean, that would be pretty important to, to know. I mean, if it's a different foot, then um, let's see. It's a uh, uh, right foot is is, is the injury that, um, that he hurt. Um, I'm trying to – this is good radio here. Anyway, um, I mean, if he comes back and is very limited, uh, then obviously that uh, that may be remembered by some people. Especially if the foot injury obviously was a red flag during the draft process, and you know, it's not a um, it's not a trivial thing moving forward either. Um, that it could also be something that you know you would potentially want to think about, um, even if you sign him, sign him now. So, um, yeah, I, I guess. I, it could obviously have an impact on, on his market for the summer. Obviously it's not, it's not going to help. Um, but, uh, I, I think probably the bigger question is, I mean, if he, 
if he plays poorly in the playoffs after coming back for like let's say the bucks you know advance to the second round conference finals and you know he just doesn't look the same because he's coming back from an injury and doesn't have rhythm even if it's not necessarily like because of the injury but just because he doesn't have his win or doesn't have you know like you know again his game rhythm back um i think it would hurt for sure just because of you know again like people remember what happens in the playoffs and you know if you're bad in the playoffs and then people are going to put less weight to even if you being a really good player during the regular season so um you know again selfishly from the how can the bucks resign all these guys perspective um it, it certainly doesn't hurt in terms of probably limiting his market, but um, you know, the, the downside is that, well, you know, the best thing for his market would be if he's bad in the playoffs, but the bucks don't want him to be bad in the playoffs. So it's, uh, yeah. it's definitely the, a very, very much a double-edged sword. Yeah. I, I was trying to, you know, kind of think through it all. And, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, I think feet are, are scary things, right? Like it, there, there's nothing more, uh, sort of essential to your job as a professional basketball player than your feet. But also, uh, you know, if, if things start to go wrong in your feet, then, you know, those things can can linger at times. So um, I, I, it's going to be, I just think it, all of that is, again, just like everything with this box season is, you know, like wait until the playoffs and, and kind of, wait and see and you know what happens there will will help dictate and decide uh kind of everything for this offseason but uh, i would say you know I, I, upon hearing the injury uh, my thought was oh man like he might have just uh you know maybe it it's not uh it, it won't kill his market uh but you know maybe it makes his market a little bit smaller maybe it it makes one or two teams less interested. There's just kind of all of all of that in there, which you know just sucks for for him. That you know any injury is obviously bad and frustrating, but uh, an injury in a contract year, um, it, it's pretty brutal stuff. So uh, we'll see how long it takes and and see if he can get back on the floor in in the the shorter part of that uh, four to eight week window. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll see how all of that goes. Um, anything else on Brogdon or do you want to talk about these games quick? Uh, why don't we talk about these games? I mean, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about, you know, especially as more games happen, we'll have a, you know, we'll start to get a better feel for how much the Bucks miss Malcolm, you know, I mean, that, that's been, I think one of the weird parts about this season is that the Bucks have been so healthy that it's been kind of hard to disentangle exactly how, kind of how much each guy really you know, like, I mean, you think about like all mm-hmm. the chemistry and how all these guys add up. It's been hard. I and mean, I think we specifically talked about it with Brooke, right? I mean, Brooke literally hasn't missed a game. So to say, well, what, you know, Bucks have been really good and Giannis Linus have been great without Brooke. But that that's a very different thing from saying that, like, you don't, you're not going to miss Brooke Lopez, right? And obviously, uh, Brogdon has actually had a great net rating, plus minus rating, um, since really the first month of the season when the Bucks were actually, you know, the, the, the four starters had some great lineups without him. Um, and that's really turned around a lot. I mean, the, the Bucks lineups with Brogdon have been really good for some time now. So that, that's been obviously a, a positive thing to see. Um, and ironically, the, the second most used lineup the Bucks have has been basically the four starters that are healthy plus Sterling Brown. And those lineups have been terrible. They've been negative 11 net rating, which, you know, was sort of over that extended period where Brown was the first guy off the bench replacing Malcolm. And then, you know, they'd bring Malcolm back late in the first and have him kind of, you know, try to run that second unit. And so it, it's weird because it's like, I, I can't explain to you why the Bucks would be horrendous subbing Sterling Brown in for, for Malcolm because, you'd think you'd have enough firepower and enough defense on the court to work, but that's just the challenge. I mean, other than the starters, like no lineup has had more than 200 ish possessions together. And so you don't really have that much to go on. And so I think there's absolutely a lot of experimentation that, you know, we're going to see the bucks try to work out on the fly. And I don't know if it's a, you could say a silver lining is that, you know, of course the, Raptors then also lost after the Bucks lost today because that's just always happens it seems of late. <laughs> so the Bucks cushion at least uh, atop the East um, has been maintained. So you you know again I don't want to jinx anything but you at least have um, you don't have for instance like another team bearing down on you and you know you, you at least have a little bit of margin of error over the regular season here that you can at least continue to try things and do some different things. But um, you know I think it's going to be really interesting to watch and just 
try to figure out like, okay, you know, they're going to start the, this big lineup. That's going to be what they're going to go with for now. Does that work? Does that not work? You know, um, I think the big lines with Miritich have generally worked really, really well um, over the first few weeks here. But obviously, you know, that being a, a small sample size as well is is still something that we're, we're trying to figure out. And um, obviously, especially down in the playoffs, you know, what is that a lineup that's going to work in the playoffs? All right. Um, let's look at these two games. Um, I guess Friday night, uh, obviously the Bucks go down uh, 20 points at the half, 62-42. And uh, I believe my 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 mentions were full of people uh, asking me if I still wanted to be dismissive of uh, teams six through eight in the East, and this is exactly what could happen. And the Bucks can't handle—I don't know what, whatever else people were saying—but uh, the Bucks end up coming back. They slap up a 37 to 18 third quarter, then a 34 to 18 uh, fourth quarter, erase the deficit, come back and, and win handily uh, against the Miami Heat. And, you know, it was, to me, it was, it was kind of interesting to watch the, the Heat play the, I don't even know what that defense, like it, it was a zone, but it also wasn't zone. It was just kind of like really extreme help. Um, off of Giannis and uh, it, overall just like a, a weird um, in some ways a weird like junk defense and I thought the Bucks struggled to get comfortable in it at first Be- and it, strangely enough it's the same thing that happened like the first couple times they saw zone this year uh, to me it was you know th- did they just leave me wide open like, am I wide open behind the three-point line? Like, is, is that what's going on right now? And yes, that, that is what was going on. And, uh, you know, I, I thought Miritich passed up a couple early ones in the, uh, in the first half. And then in the second half, he hit a couple big threes. Uh, you know, Ersani Sova had, uh, I thought, a great game, uh, 15 points off the bench. I thought he was great. Uh, obviously, DJ came in and, uh, you know, made an impact in that one as well. Pat Connaughton is now shooting the ball like he was shooting the ball in Portland last year. He's over thirty uh, percent. He He's over thirty percent for the season. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, he he was three for six uh, against the Heat, and you know I thought he was big off the bench, and uh, you know a number of guys just kind of came and, and played and and made it happen. And then you know I thought Middleton in the third quarter at a. I'm not going to say won them the game because they were still uh, still trailing at the end of the third quarter, but uh, – or no, excuse me, they were up one. Um, no, they were trailing by one. Yes. Um, sorry, I'm bad at math. Um, they were still trailing there, but I just thought that that third quarter from Middleton was just kind of what got the Bucks back in it. And uh, obviously Giannis on the night, 33, 16, and 9, uh, two steals, three blocks. I, I thought he so- somewhat struggled with the-, the junk defense, kind of getting a feel for it, and then just dominated. Uh, so uh, I thought a game that you know could have turned ugly uh, was quite ugly for the first two quarters, and you know the Bucks were able to bounce back and, and win pretty easily by the end of that game yeah i mean um that was a i I found that to be one of the kind of more sneakily satisfying wins of the season like you know in five years people won't look back on a 15 point win over the heat um for a 60 win bucks team or whatever as being like this like awesome fun game but um you know becoming the first team in nba history to go down 20 plus points at half and then win by at least 15 that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I'm like kind of yeah. amazed that that had never happened before. Um, you know, they, they kind of, they nearly did something very similar when they were down 18 and then won. you know, in, in pretty big blowout fashion against the bulls earlier this season as well. So uh, I think they, you know, lead the league. I believe they have 15 wins where they've been down by 10 or, or more points this season, which I think is really important. I think psychologically games like this are really valuable. I mean, you know, you, you would have liked to see them do it again on Sunday, obviously, because, you know, have confidence that, hey, we're losing, but like, it's okay. Like, we can do this. Like, that that's important, obviously. And, and the Bucks have been able to do that a lot this season. And obviously, the most extreme example is what we saw on Friday. But 
I agree. I mean, Giannis had 15 in the first half. Chris had 11 in the first half. I think, I don't know if Chris even scored in the fourth quarter. I mean, he sat for a fair bit of that. And then I don't even know if he even took any shots in the fourth quarter. Like it was pretty much Giannis and, um, and other guys doing, doing the damage. But, um, yeah, Chris was really important. I mean, Giannis and Chris sort of just kept them afloat in that first half when they were, you know, what did they start? Like one out of 14 or something like that from, Mm -hmm. uh, from three. And I mean, I was just like, so frustrated watching i mean some of the shots that the heat were hitting what what did they start like five out of five from three or something like that i mean when justice (laughs) winslow hit that like 30 foot shot clock buzzer beater i was just like you know and and waiters hit that like contested corner three i was just like jesus winslow had 20 points in the first half 20 he didn't score in the second half like he had 20 points at halftime and he was just I don't even know. I'm trying to think of uh, how to describe how good he was doing, but it was just like, what is this? Like, how is this even possible? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to, you know, be getting, you know, lit up the way the bucks were getting lit up. And again, you know, a lot of it kind of bad luck. Um, and then they went to, you know, they started switching more and more as the game went on to, um, at least just try to force, you know, I mean, just and and it worked, right? I mean, as the game went on, it just became a lot of like Heat taking contested jumpers. Um, you know, there were a few moments where um, you know Miami, um, like Whiteside, had a couple moments where he kind of like used his hugeness to to kind of give the Bucks some problems. But for the most part, I mean, you know, Miami started missing jumpers and they started missing gimmies and shots that you know it was a mean reversion sort of situation. And you know, ultimately, Bucks end up putting together a great defensive night statistically for the second straight game, um, which was, which was obviously nice to see because obviously the defense since the all-star break has, has, hasn't been as good as it had been before that. Um, and, you know, just for Giannis, cause of the way he has struggled against the heat to score for him to go off and just, you know, <laughs> I mean like that, that and one on Adebayo in the third mm-hmm. quarter when the bucks were, I think they were down eight at the time. You know where he just basically, um, it's it's the old uh, people. I mean, people I think often call it a euro step, but where you bring the ball over the guy's head. Um, I I think of that as the Dwayne Wade uh, windmill yep. crossover is what he called it, where you kind of bring the ball over the opponent's head. Monte Ellis used to be amazing at it as well, weirdly yep. for a guy that small, um, but where he just brought it over at a bio and then just wrong foot. Like he went off his right foot, dunked with his right. Um, and one, I mean, that was kind of like just the, yeah, I'm Giannis and I'm the best player in this sport right now. And this is happening type, type moment. Um, but, but yeah, it was fun. And then in the third quarter or sorry, the fourth quarter, I mean, those two Giannis plays where, um, you know, where the ball just like rattled around and the one he ends up getting it and getting layup, getting a layup in the foul. And then the other where he gets it back and throws it over his head to, to Bledsoe for the layup or kind of <laughs> like, you know, all right you guys had your fun when you were just throwing crap up and it was all going in. And now the balls kind of break, you know, things are breaking against you and um, the bucks are, are just rolling you now, which, which was a lot of fun to see. And uh, Dr. Dave was in Miami, almost uh, decapitated <laughs> a, uh, a heat fan. I don't know if people saw that Dr. Dave was, uh, he was using his left hand cause he was sitting on the opposite uh, end of the uh, uh, behind the bucks bench. Uh, Dr. Dave Margolis, who, uh, I think probably people who listen to our podcast would know Dr. Dave because he's, you know, Buck super fan, tall, long wingspan, always does his get up, you know, right arm thing at Bucks games. Um, also, a, uh, I believe he's a doctor at Children's Hospital. So he's a very smart guy who does great work. And then he's also a huge Bucks fan. But uh, he was in Miami and almost whacked a hapless Heat fan who was coming down the aisle during a, during a, a big moment for the Bucks. And I felt like that kind of summarized things. The Heat just sort of cowering in fear of the Bucks' physical domination. Um, but yeah, that was fun. You know, Giannis and, and to a lesser extent, Chris, um, you know, just playing playing at a really high level and uh and you know we saw malcolm leave early i almost didn't even really notice it uh he was rolled out for the game and then we saw you know in a foreshadowing of today's game we saw meritage come out uh and start the second half and um you know he hit a couple threes i think he hit one three very early in the third quarter but i have to say as well like man there were so many opportunities in that third quarter where the bucks were down like seven eight nine points and they missed free throws or they missed layups or like Mm -hmm. it felt like I don't know. I, I had had a concern that they just weren't going to get over the hump. And it's interesting to say that in hindsight, because there were a lot of similar moments in this Philly game today as well, where it felt like the Bucks had it down to seven points, eight points, nine points. And then 
they just couldn't string together two stops. They just, you know, couldn't get out of their own way. They, you know, guys were just missing open looks. Um, you know, other than Giannis, you just felt like you couldn't trust anybody on the Bucks to do, to do, to make a play. And, you know, on Friday we saw the Bucks start to hit those threes and, you know, they really, um, they really mean reverted in a huge way in the second half. And, um, on, on Sunday, unfortunately, I mean, obviously the Sixers are a better team than the Heat. And, you know, I think especially defensively, right? I mean, we can talk about missing Brogdon and especially his offense. But, I mean, Sunday, I mean, the story of this game was defense. And the Bucks just, you know, I think a lot of it was just sort of like tip your cap type stuff. Like, you know, mid-range jumpers, contested stuff from Jimmy Butler. Like, I mean, you want that shot, you know, in the grand scheme of things. You want guys to shoot that shot. You want Joel Embiid shooting jump shots rather than um, taking shots in the paint. But, um you know, credit to the Sixers. They made shots and they also got a lot of second chances, which I'm sure Mike Budenholzer and staff were not happy about. You know, this obviously has been a great defensive rebounding team. And even going big, uh, the Bucks gave up 30%, a 30% offensive rebound rate, which is a bad number for, for them in particular, given how good they've been this season. So, you know, just reloads and um, ultimately like the Sixers made shots and, you know, a 122 offensive rating, you know, Bucks were, I think, 117, 118. Bucks scored plenty of points like that that number they they put up should win them most games you know I mean Giannis scoring 52 obviously um your offense isn't going to be that bad when Giannis score, puts up 52 on 26 shots uh but unfortunately the defense just could not get it done and you know some of that is is on the Bucks and some of it is just on the Sixers making shots So uh, th- that's always kind of a question I end up asking Bud and Giannis and Chris and Blood after the game is just like um, in a game where they lose, obviously, you know, like the execution isn't exactly where you want it to be, but, you know, sometimes teams just make shots. And, uh, you know, I I mentioned it after they lost in Phoenix and Giannis was just like, no, like we, we didn't, we didn't play well enough we didn't execute well enough we we were not focused and you know tonight like just about everyone was just like well you know the they hit some tough shots like uh, that that's just kind of what it was and uh you know like that's always a i mean it's just a shitty thing to hear right like well stop them from making shots right like that yeah. that's that's what you should do like why didn't you do that and you know sometimes that's just how it goes and um i would agree though that uh the defensive rebounding is something that i would assume the bucks will end up circling and uh, like you said they're a great defense rebound team the bucks went big but you know like there's there's big and then there's joel Embiid big in yeah. uh Boban big like th- those and again I don't I don't think all that much of Boban as a player like I don't think he's he's a great player or anything but he is still uh, just he's legitimately 7-3 uh, and Embiid is huge as well and you know I, I thought there was a number of times where it was like DJ Wilson like attacking Embiid like uh, trying to do everything he can and like to his credit, he was working his ass off, and you know I thought he played really well. But also, he's DJ Wilson, and Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. Like, there's just a an inherent size advantage there that Embiid's going to be able to have. And you know, I thought that that kind of showed. And then you know, I thought the other thing was uh, with Ben Simmons, we before the game we were kind of talking in the press room about, you know, how do the Bucks match up? And, you know, we decided that you put Giannis on Ben Simmons and then, you know, he can just kind of play center field. And he can kind of do all of the things that, that he's great at. But the, the one thing, and again, Ben Simmons scored eight points on the night, so it's not like he killed them, but he did get two tip dunks. And both of them, I don't want to say were huge, but um, you know there was the, one of them. One of them was huge. The the one in the final minute or whatever was was huge. Obviously, correct. Yeah. Uh, so like the the first one, but the first one happened in the first quarter. It happened early, like as the Bucks were kind of you know I think trying to find their way without Malcolm Brogdon a little bit, and I think they struggled to start. And you know then Simmons had a tip dunk there, and it was like okay, well you know Giannis gonna have to watch that the rest of the night. Like he can't. Like he, he's going to have to roam and 
do what he can defensively, but then, you know, that, that could happen. And then, yeah, that second one, it was right after Giannis had called him a fucking baby and, uh, like had just dunked in his face and screamed at him. And then, you know, Ben Simmons came down on the other end and, and got a tip dunk there. Um, and yeah, like you said, that, that was a huge play. That was, um, literally right at the end of the game. That would have been, I think it was a four point game at the time. Uh, that would have been a stop for the Bucks because Embiid missed the hook shot. Uh, so hook shot comes off. Giannis had obviously just had that and one. So it was, I mean, it was really a huge sequence where, uh, you know, Embiid, yeah, 118, 114 with uh, 118 left after Giannis made that free throw. At 104, Embiid missed the hook shot, and then Simmons gets the tip dunk immediately after and then it's 120 114 again and you know if if you get that stop and go down to the other end it's a one possession game and you know you're you're right back in that and you can play defense the rest of the way as opposed to you know needing to foul, like play the foul game and you know try to get it back with free throws so uh that that was a huge sequence but yeah i mean i think the defensive rebounding stands out cuz that's just something the bucks have been very good at this whole season and uh wasn't the case tonight and then just the the tough shot making of uh really Embiid and Butler. Uh, some of the moves Embiid made, it was, I mean, you look at what Brook Lopez did and it's like, well, I don't know what more you can do there. Um, so Embiid made some really tough plays. Butler made some tough shots and, you know, the Bucks just, just couldn't get stops at the end. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's not what you want to hear, but you know, they did just, they just made tough shots, and uh, on days like that, you, you got to tip your cap and, and keep it moving. Yeah, um, I mean, it was uh, it, it was it was too bad. I mean, again, like part of you, like again, I think like objectively, you take a step back, and it's like you know, okay, like there's going to be obviously this um, inclination now for everybody to, you know, anytime two teams that are are in this kind of top level of the East play each other, like there's going to be now this understandably right people want to like figure out like okay like what did we learn like you know like oh the bucks lost therefore now like the sixers i mean people are obviously going to bend this into whatever they want their narrative to, to look like um and so i'm sure there's going to be you know the the narrative like oh well brogdon's out now the sixers are a better team or whatever it might be right um and realistically look i mean you know and, and i mean you could say the same thing about some of the games that the bucks have won right like some of those games in toronto i mean they made plays at the end of the game you know and they won and it wasn't like they were just blowing the Raptors out in those games or something like that. And likewise, um, the Sixers came in and credit to them. They went on the road and, you know, they just made enough plays to, to win a game. Um, and so I think, you know, obviously the question now is just sort of like how the Bucks kind of continue to adapt and, um, you know, if they can continue to play at the general level that they've been at, um, then I think you feel pretty good. Um, and, and again, you're not in danger of losing that top seed. So that's the, that's the kind of main thing, uh, is just kind of maintaining what you've got while, uh, while you try to get Brogdon and these other guys as well, healthy and, and ready for the playoffs. And, um, you know, it was also a bit nerve wracking to see Giannis go down in the late third quarter, I believe it was with, um, you know, when he tweaked his, his ankle driving to the basket and, um, you know, I, I was almost, um, I was relieved when I, I rerounded it quick and saw that he clearly like, you know tweak the ankle like turn the ankle real quick because you know if he hadn't turned the ankle i would have been more worried that it, there was some more serious injury um but obviously he stays in the game i think he had 33 points at that point hit the hit one of the free throws to get to 34 and then he scores another 18 points in the fourth quarter um so i know he was uh wearing some type of like protective brace i think he asked for one in the in the locker room but i think he also told you guys he was he was feeling feeling okay um so so we'll see i i doubt Giannis is going to want to miss uh, a national tv game against lebron on tuesday um but again like <laughs> that's the last thing you need at this point is you know any type of uh of Giannis um injury type type issue obviously his we haven't heard anybody kind of talking about his knee. He's been playing in back-to-backs. Um, but obviously that was probably the most nerve-wracking moment of the game, uh, just seeing Giannis on the ground, you know, holding his, his foot. Yeah, and it is always kind of interesting in those spots. Like, you know, as you're watching him, like, on the ground, and, you know, I, I, I would agree. I kind of thought the same thing. Like, when I when you saw him grab for his foot, it was like, okay, 
like then that was probably a turned ankle. And then obviously, like you said, you could see the replay pretty quickly and, and see that that's what it was. But it, to me, it's, you know, another one of those situations where, um, what was it like last year, him and Delhi turned their ankles in new uh, Brooklyn. Like a, it was in Brooklyn. Yep. Yeah. And like same game. And, you know, like I was kind of joking, like, Oh, you know, he's, He's got that, you know, like live, like LeBron cyborg body where it's just like, nah, whatever, I'll be fine. And, you know, I'll play later. And, you know, after it, I was like, yeah, Delhi will probably be out a couple weeks. And it was, uh, granted, like it was a high ankle sprain for Delhi and like more serious, but, you know, like it is just, uh, you know, one of those things that, uh, another thing that I guess you kind of take for granted when you have, uh, you know, a cyborg like, like Giannis where it's just like, okay, whatever, turn my ankle. That'll be fine. And you know, like I, I, that's, that's pretty much what I believe like that. He will be fine after all this. And, uh, he, he will end up, uh, being totally, totally fine and he'll keep it moving. So, uh, one thing I want to do is Giannis scored 52 fucking points. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 52 points. He took 26 shots. 26 shots. It, it got to a point in in the fourth quarter where if he was getting close to the basket, the Sixers pretty much just gave up and were just like, okay, we're just going to follow you. Like, you got to go to the free throw line. Like, we're we're not going to let this happen. And, I mean, like, the one time J.J. Redick almost got decapitated because of it because Embiid was coming for a chase down yeah. the block and Redick just wrapped up Giannis and then Embiid jumped on Redick and – threw his head into the stanchion. Like it was, it was really, you know, like Giannis calling Simmons a baby after like that play. And I mean, it would be hard to disagree with his assessment because like, like he, he literally just backed him down, put him under the rim and then dunked it on his head. Like that, Ben Simmons didn't have anything for him. And after the game, obviously he was asked about it and he said, you know, like it's easy when, when Simmons is covering me, like I would much rather have him cover me than, than Embiid. And uh, you know, I would, I would simple, I would take that option. And it's just like, yeah, like when you see what he, he can do to those guys, like that's why it, it is always funny to me to kind of hear people talk about like, Oh, you know, like once, once they get to the playoffs, like teams will be able to slow Giannis down, and it's just like, who, how, like, wh- like what, like what are you even talking about? Like everyone just wants to, uh, you know, like say like, oh, this guy can slow him down or do this or do that, and it's like, no, like there, there's not a guy out there. Like the the Sixers put Joel Embiid the one of the most gifted seven footers in the history of the game. He's huge. He's just a monster human. And Giannis went through him. Like that's, that's where we are with Giannis at this point, that even if you put a bigger guy on him, the teams are putting centers on him. And, you know, like you saw it with Gobert in Utah. Uh, and obviously you, you saw it, tonight but then in the same way like well the heat are a team that slows Giannis down and like it's indisputable like they have in the past and then he gets 30 some in that one and like it like for him to score 52 and and I don't know maybe it felt like this as you were watching it but you know he scores so easily at this point uh, across every game that you know it's just like it to me it didn't feel like I was watching a guy score 52. Like I was just watching a normal Giannis game and, you know, maybe that's the greatest compliment that I, that I can give him that, you know, at this point, everything just kind of feels normal. Like 52, like, eh, yeah, he got to the free throw line a bunch, got a good whistle today. So he got 52. Like to me, that's just kind of where we are with him. Yeah. I mean, um, I thought MB did a really nice job, especially early, um, you know, just basically staying vertical and challenging him and, I think Giannis started the game like three out of nine or something like that from the field. And um, really him hitting those, those, especially the, the two early threes was really important because I thought that kind of loosened everything up a little bit um, because certainly you're watching those first like five, six minutes. I mean, you wouldn't have said like, oh, this is going to be Giannis's 50 point night. 
um, the way Embiid was was able to at least make make like life, life difficult. But I mean, we saw it against the two two Jazz games too. Like Gobert, kind of he had to like kind of figure out how he wanted to attack Gobert. And by the second game, I mean, he literally played Gobert off the court. Like, the Jazz were, like, <laughs> horrendous with Gobert on the court. And, you know, he was just flopping all over the place because, like, he literally couldn't handle Giannis's physicality. And, you know, again, just just trying to play defense by sagging way off Giannis, um, it's, just, I, I, it's just a defense that I think is, I mean, he will figure it out. Like, you're not going to stop him yeah. doing that. And, you know, I loved seeing him hit that, like, little – um, confident uh, short hook shot, which of course I have to point out. I oh, it's your favorite! It it's your absolute quarter. favorite. Yeah, it was like a very like confident little like kind of like you know did like that fake drop step to his right, then went back middle and, and dropped that like righty hook in, and um, you know Boban got <laughs> tasted his lefty uh, some lefty mm-hmm. thunder, um, and then another time he just kind of drove into Boban and finished for an and one. Um, you know, I mean, it was just vintage freakish Giannis in in so many ways and um you that, know I want to that Boban dunk like I I legitimate like so obviously I, I sit next to Matt Velasquez for all the games and like we were sitting there and like I was typing up something else we were talking about something and then like he had that dunk and then like Matt like gave me a look like do you just do that and I le- legitimately shrugged my shoulders and just kept t- typing like whatever other thing I was doing. And it was just like, yeah, that's what, that's what Giannis does. Like Boban can't really move that well. And yeah, Giannis is big and strong now and he just puts people under the rim, even, you know, like seven foot three guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, do- it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it, it was, um, it was remarkable. Um, I think the, maybe the only other kind of anything else on Giannis. Otherwise I had a couple other things I just wanted to, to mention. Um, that's the best player in the league. Yeah, it's like, it's too bad. It's that, too bad they didn't win because it could have just been a like, all right, it's over, MVP. Let's quit talking about it. Um, type type performance. And I mean, again, it's kind of funny, right? It's like, I mean, you lose by five, so I mean, it's not like there's that really that much difference between the teams, but instead, like that kind of overshadows the the Giannis narrative yeah. somewhat. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, the only real game left is the Houston game in, in Milwaukee, right? That that could have some sort of narrative impact, mm-hmm. but I think at this point, like, as long as the Bucks, you know, stay on track for, for the number one seed, it's it's going to be tough, I think, for anybody to really, really argue too much with, with Giannis' MVP. Um, so, I wanted to point out, first off, um, the shots J.J. Redick was hitting, I mean, <laughs> What? Like, I mean, yeah. I, he was seven out of 10, four for four from three. He missed a free throw. I don't understand that. Um, I mean, he would literally, he was not on balance for, I think he, he was, he had one, he had one open corner three that he hit. Um, otherwise, like, I mean, he is like moving across, like, you know, he's like f- floating sideways, putting up these shots, long twos, threes. Um, I mean, my God, like the, the shooting, he, the shooting performance he had today was incredible. And, you know, you compare that to, um, you know, the buck shooters. I mean, I think Middleton had that bank three and then the dunk early. And then mm-hmm. he was two out of 10 at one point. Um, so I don't know if he, I don't know if he hit his first two, but, you know, he had, he missed a bunch of shots in a row and it, you know, was on track to being a, a total stinker. And then kind of like typical Chris Middleton, like you feel like they're out of it. And then he starts hitting some shots and, kind of helping you claw back in and you know somehow he ends up with 19.7 boards six assists on 18 shots which i mean is like not a great like shooting night eight out of 18 no free throws um but it's kind of amazing he was even able to salvage the night because i mean he was he was bad for like three quarters um and then um brooke also like just seemed to be struggling like hell um but then ends up with 14 points on 11 shots both middleton and lopez hit three out of nine and it felt like they were way worse than that um so kind of some credit to Brooke and Chris. I mean, they did some things in the fourth quarter, um, but Miritich was was the obvious guy to point out as being, especially because I mean he's he's being inserted in the starting five. Um, he was the guy who just had nothing um, offensively. I mean, one out of seven, uh, 0 for six from three. Uh, it was just a, a bad night. I think his one bucket was a put back offensive on the offensive glass. And um, you know it, it's just tough because you know he's not obviously going to be additive uh, defensively. Um, not that he's like, horrendous defensively, but 
um, you know, you know, you're you're putting them out there to score and to help you offensively. And even though the Bucks obviously didn't have a problem scoring on the night, um, you know, the fact that your your starter in place of Brogdon took the collar from three, and um, you know, just nothing was going down. Um, it, it's tough, but again, I mean. This is the the downside of Miritich. We know he can be extremely streaky, and you know he's not going to shoot worse than what we saw tonight. I guess that's the, that's the upside. Um, but obviously, for him to have a terrible shooting night on a night when Middleton struggled for long stretches, when Lopez struggled for long stretches, and Bledsoe, you know, twelve points on fourteen shots. I mean, he was active, he was probing, but he really just was not effective overall either and he had that he had that one uh drive on reddick where reddick just like bounced off of him and he got that and one finish and it was just like do that every time that like it's jj reddick man like you know you can do that like that that that'd be totally fun like i think everyone would would be more than happy and especially when you look at that sixers team like if there's one real weak point in the defense like It'd be it'd be Redick and Redick trying to stay with with opposing point guards like that. That to me would be the the biggest spot. And you know, I, I thought earlier it was like, okay, Bledsoe's got it figured out, and then it just wasn't there. Uh, by the way, I'm just uh, I, I just saw a clip of Miritich uh, in the fourth quarter ran over to try to help Giannis up, and then he slipped and fell on his butt. And who was it? Pat Connaughton had to pick Miritich up by picking up from under his arms. Miritich like looked like he almost could have hurt Giannis. So that that was Nikola Miritich's night in a in a nutshell, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if the Bucks need eighteen more threes to hit one more three overall, um, life's going to be pretty tough playing uh, playing the Sixers. I mean, playing any great team if if you have that big of a difference from uh, from the three point line, it's it, it's a big deal. And um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, the Bucks shot sixty percent on twos tonight. And Philly hit forty-seven percent. Um, you know, normally you'd be very happy with that, uh, but obviously the three-point line was uh, was an area where the Bucks, you know, really struggled. And um, thirty-two to thirteen in fast break points advantage for the Bucks. That was obviously a plus. Um, but you know, again, Philly team that has turned it over a lot at times. Uh, I think back to that game a year ago when the Bucks came back from what was it two twenty-point deficits in one. Uh, I think they had like twenty-five turnovers in that game tonight. Thirteen turnovers. Um, obviously the Bucks have not forced a lot of turnovers all year. That's been kind of the one thing they don't do well. Um, and, uh, tonight, you know, wasn't really a, a big factor in the game. All the Bucks did do a nice job of getting out in transition and, and getting easy buckets. But, um, obviously, you know, again, frustrating way to lose. Um, but, uh, we will, we will see. I, I think, you know, again, these teams are, uh, we, we saw why these teams are, you know, are both going to be, be, uh, why they have the ambitions that they do in terms of trying to, to be teams that come out of the East. It, this game is interesting to me because like you, you go through the whole Bucks roster and you're like, M- Miritich didn't play good. Middleton didn't play good. Lopez. Well, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Miritich didn't play well. Middleton didn't play well. Lopez didn't play well. Bledsoe didn't play well. Um, George Hill didn't play well. Tony Snell barely played. Like, so I, I think maybe you can find DJ Wilson was good. Yep. Uh, was Pat Connaughton good? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's probably okay. You pretty and, much had two guys who like played like above their normal capability, right? You had yeah. DJ and Giannis. <laughs> that's that's just and, not going to be enough on way for playing the Sixers for sure. But then, like you think about the, I think the obvious, you know, uh, retort from a Sixers fan that is looking at this and looking for good things would be like, well, they had Giannis go for fifty-two and still couldn't beat us. So like they would feel. You know, I think in some ways good about it, but you know, like you just look at this and it's like, well, if you could, you probably trade, you know, Giannis playing, uh, yeah, like a forty-point night for Giannis if you get two guys that, that that get to play good, right? Like if you get two of the starters that uh, could have good nights, it would be you're probably taking it, right? Like, uh, so it, to me, it, it's just really kind of interesting to think like. The, the Bucks didn't play that well, and 
Oh, I shouldn't say the Bucks. Bucks outside of Giannis and DJ Wilson didn't play uh, all that well, and they were still in it against the Sixers team. And you know, when I look at the Sixers, like, did they play well? Probably, right? Like yeah. fifteen to thirty-two from the three-point line. That's that's an outlier shooting night. Like they definitely shot better uh, than they normally do. And you know, you look at their starting lineup. Like maybe no, pretty much they're. All four start or all five all five starters I think played well, um, and you might even be able to say they played above their head. Um, and the Bucks lost by five without Malcolm Brogdon, and you know without without really having that many guys contribute. So um, it'll it'll be interesting to watch, but uh, I don't think this game should make Bucks fans feel any less confident going up against the the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, I mean, Giannis has gone for 40-plus five times this year, and the Bucks have lost three of those now. So, I mean, historically as well, I mean, usually when guys score tons of points, it's, you know, because probably they need to, and they probably have to play, like, especially with stars, it's usually not because they it was a blowout and they only need to play 30 minutes, right? Like, I mean, um, with the exception of the occasional Clay Thompson uh, three-quarter performance or whatever, like, yep. he's had a couple, like, crazy shooting nights, um, you know, Giannis now, I mean, the last time he played in a game that the Bucks lost at home, I believe was the Toronto game in early January where he scored 43 and they lost. Tonight, you know, he scores 52 and they lose. And obviously a couple weeks ago, he scores 43 in Utah and they lose. So, um, you know, I think the only 40 plus games that they've won have been the Washington game and the Cleveland game in Cleveland. Um, so, you know, credit to Giannis. He has put up, you know, monster scoring nights against some really good teams um, of late. But, um, you know, uh, obviously the come on nights where he has not had a lot of help and or the Bucks defense has not been able to really give them a chance to um, to to have a, as good a chance of winning as, as you'd like. So, um, you know, yeah, it sucks because you would love to be able to celebrate Giannis's monster night with uh, with a win and have everybody go home happy. But, um, you know, uh I guess the, the reverse would be at least we got to have an incredibly honest performance to to make us have at least something to feel excited about um, after a game that, that obviously you don't like to lose. All right. Um, anything else from the weekend? Uh, I'm sure, like you said, we'll end up talking a little bit more about Malcolm Brogdon and we'll talk about, you know, some other things, but uh, anything else you have from the weekend? No, I, I, I think there, there was probably things we've forgotten, but we, there will be more podcasts, Eric. So I, I feel right. that we'll be able to hit them later if we need to. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. That is going to be it for us for today. A long one because obviously there was some news, two games. So I ended up going a little bit long today, but that's okay. More podcasts for you to enjoy. So for Frank, man, I'm Eric. Name this Ben Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.